Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mr. Notorious, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus, Charette. Say what? Dr. Benjamin Gordon, how's it going, sir? It's good, man. It is good, Mike. We are, think about this, Hmm. end of March. What? End of March. We are in March, Mike. We are in March. 23. You thought we were like on a March for a second? You were like, we're on a March? I thought you said end of March, and I agreed with you. I was like, yeah, end of March. It's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) I mean, we are now into March. It feels like yesterday we were talking about our first guest of 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we just had Perpetual Groove on the show, man. It is crazy. It's true. Craig, give it to me straight, though. How do you feel on this, this March? Day. Well, Doc G, you know, I've been moving. Obviously, you know this. So I'm like an eight and a half. I'm, I'm, I'm. So I'm, you're not I'm, out of the lows of, 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 uh, moving yet. No, no, it's still chaos. Yeah, it's still, yeah. But hey. Rough. That yeah. is rough. You'll get there, Mike. Have oh, faith. Yeah. You'll get oh, yeah, there. For sure. For you sure. Got, yeah, I mean, do you, are you, are you out of most boxes now or are you still in most boxes? Oh, no, there's boxes and it's just everything. Everything is everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Oh. This is the only organization that's behind me. The only <laughs> thing that you know where it is is coffee. That's it. Yeah, I do know where the coffee is. Mm. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Coffee kit. That was the first thing to be set up. Sorry you're still dealing with that, Mike. It's rough. <laughs> no worries. It's all good. It's rough. I love it. Well, yeah. I think we need to start off the show where we started off last week. Uh, last week, I started off the show by informing you, Mike, that Leonardo DiCaprio, a great friend of the show, of uh, is desperate to ditch his reputation as a dude that only dates young, attractive models. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. And, and he's out there on the market looking for a mature relationship. Mm. Now, Mike, I'm not trying to turn this... Into the Leo podcast. Girl, come on! But I have news. And I, could, okay. I, I couldn't pass it up. I saw this story and I was like, I, 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 gotta, I gotta tell the folks about yeah, the Leo no, news. Please share. We you love know? it. We love hearing about this. So, Mike, this past weekend, after you had graciously taken time to hand select a terrific lady friend. For Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio, Jessica Lowndes. Um he he didn't he didn't choose her, apparently. Uh what? he w- he was unaware. And uh he was huh. seen gallivanting around London with Josie Redman. Glam. A twenty one year old model. That's right. Until four AM, Mike. They were spotted at four AM. Leaving a restaurant in London. 4 a.m. You believe that, Mike? Those are date hours. Nope. I I like how in the article it says Leo went, quote, incognito 
in a black Los Angeles Lakers baseball cap and a large gray mask. Word. Mike, I hate to put on my editor cap again, but I'm going to do it and say, how about Leo tried to go incognito? If we all knew it was him, he didn't go incognito. (laughs) The definition of incognito is you lose an identity. So Mm -hmm. just saying, just saying, guys. But back to the story, Mike. Josie and Leo leaving the restaurant at 4 a.m. Mike, Doc what do you G, got? I'm sorry. Would you say he was cognito? Cognito. Semi, he was cognito. Semi-cognito. <laughs> partially partially sorry. cognito. Uh, yes. One of those. That would be the better editing <laughs> job. Uh, Mike, you mentioned dating hours. 4 a.m. Yeah. Nothing good goes on at 4 a.m., Mike. We both yeah. know that. Nope. And it, it doesn't matter if you're staying up till 4 or waking up at 4, nothing good at 4 a.m. And I'll tell you, Mike, it may seem like a good time at the time, but it doesn't take you very long to realize you up when it's 4 a.m. And I'm yeah. sure Leo's probably probably realizing that, you know? Mm-hmm. And Leo, I got to say, what are you doing? We got you a lady friend, Jessica Lowndes. Yeah. Jessica Lowndes. Over the weekend, Mike, she went to uh, the Boston Bruins game with her dad. That could have that. That could have been Leo. Could have been, been Leo, dad, dad. And, and yeah, and Jessica right there. Just a, a trio of fun. Uh, She's you a know? ten. You know, She's, I'm yeah. just I'm just saying, Mike. Now, now that I've updated you on our good friend Leo, I've got to update you on our best friend, supporter TV. and lover of the show. Yes. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Yes. yes. That's his full name? That's his full name. Oh, wow, okay. Yes. <laughs> See, it, it, it is the whitest name ever in the history of names. Thomas Mike. Edward Patrick, Patrick Brady. Brady Jr. Yes. Yes. Very long. Very long. So true. You see that on a license. It's impressive. Anyways, Mike. Huh? I don't know if you're aware. But Fox Sports, uh, they have a gig lined up for Mr. Brady. They have a contract for him to be a uh, football analyst for uh, $375 million. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, it's not bad. Wow. I think I was their second choice, but (laughs) he beat me out. So, you know, kudos, Tom. Anyways. Thomas has said that he is waiting until next season to fire this up, Mike. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying this upcoming season. Nope. Like, he's waiting until 2024. Like, he's not right. doing it in the 2023 season. Now, Mike, uh, I did some digging. I did some digging, and apparently I found an article. And let me quote the exact phrasing of the article. Quote, a source claim... That the decision came after Brady decided he wanted to try and convince Giselle to bring their family back together. So that's what Tom's trying to do. He's putting off being an analyst for a year to put the family back together. Word. Now, Mike, let me pause again really quick. And if you notice, I said, quote, a source claimed the decision came after Brady decided he wanted to try and convince Giselle to bring their family back together. 
Notice how I said a source. Yeah. The best they could do was a source. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even get credible hmm. or reliable or close or familiar. Nope. None of those ad ad adjectives. All they could get was source. Just for context, listeners, anyone can be a source. Yeah. Me, Mike, the guy out on the sidewalk, mm -hmm. hobos, they could all be sources. You can ask them for their opinion. They can be a source. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I get that you got to keep the anonymity of the source, but you could at least lie to us a little bit and say it's a reliable source or a... Yeah, you know, a reliable source would be nice. Close source. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. And anyways, Mike, the source goes on to say his only goal right now is to get his family back. But the source also says Giselle can honestly say she's happier than ever. Girl, come on. Giselle has moved on and isn't emotionally attached to Tom anymore. She's so happy to be working again. Uh, yeah. Which, Mike, I got to be honest, doesn't really sound like Giselle was too worried about Tom playing football Nope. last year. Sounds like she was more worried about her playing modeling. That sounds more like what she wanted to do. Sounds a little yeah. like selfish motives to me, Mike. <laughs> I agree. I'm just totally saying. Totally agree. Just saying. So here's what I'm thinking, Mike. I'm thinking Tom give up on the Giselle thing, you know? So true. Give up on the Giselle thing. Leo's out here still dating young models. Tom, just go ahead and date Jessica Lowndes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know? It's just, I yeah. mean, she she was going to a Boston Bruins game. So she's probably a Patriots fan. I didn't investigate too much. But we all know Tom has a pretty good history with the Patriots. He was true. there for a long time. True, so, true, I mean, true. you know. I think it works. Do you think it works, Mike? I think it works. Yeah. Again, she went yeah. to the game with her dad. She's got a good relationship with him. Yeah, and he, Tom's got a great relationship with his dad. They, they, great you know. relationship. So they kiss. What? Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> they're into it, you know? So that was actually him and his son. Tom's son. Oh, it's his son. Yeah. Uh, not his dad. Yeah. But I'm sure maybe they, maybe that's where he got it from. Who knows? Maybe we go back, you know? I don't know. Anyways, Mike, I'm glad we've settled that. We now know Leo's going to still date young models. Uh, let him do it, people. Lay off. And Tom's going to date uh, Jessica Jessica Lowndes. There we yeah, go. Yeah, we just got to send that email, Doc G. We got to send uh, the we, email we to all our know. source. We're, yeah, we're close enough. We'll get it. And We'll, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll send it, and uh, they'll live happily ever after. There, there you go. we go. Now that we've settled that, Mike, are you ready to fire the show up? Let's fire up the show, Doc G. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Mike, we have a fantastic show today. My goodness, we have that fantastic interview with the phenomenal Jesse Dayton. This dude yes. done it, seen it all. We talked about everything. Uh, him getting started on guitar, working with Waylon working with Johnny Cash, working with Willie Nelson, Rob Zombie. Wow. Yeah, we talk about it all, too. We talk about it all. But first, we need to start where we start. The birthday suits. Happy birthday, Mr. 
President. Mike, uh, I don't think I need to tell you this because you probably got it right beside your bed to remind yourself every <laughs> day when you wake up, but you are 15 and a half out of 21. Say what? Wow. Yeah. What's the percentages on that, Dr. E? I didn't, the, uh... I, I didn't actually do it okay. this time. Girl, but, I mean, just off the top of my head, that'd be right around 75%. I'll take that. You know? Because like 15 that. out of 20 would be 75%, and you're 15 mm. and a half out of 21, so it's right under uh, 75%. You yeah. know? Amazing. Amazing, yeah. Mike. Agreed. Now, I do think you're probably only going to get one out of three today. So <laughs> it's okay. going to knock it down a little bit. But this first one is the one I think you can get. Okay. So here we go. Born on March 1st, 1994 in Ontario, Canada. Our birthday suit wearer grew up with his mom. He learned piano and guitar at a young age. In 2007, he sang Neo's So Sick for a local singing competition and placed second. His mom uploaded a video of it on YouTube. And after the first video, she started loading more and more videos of this young singer on YouTube. Agent Scooter Braun found his YouTube page and tracked him down and wanted to sign him. And this is a direct quote from a New York Times article. His mom was hesitant to let Scooter work with him because he was Jewish. And she thought <laughs> God would bring a Christian to work with our birthday suit wearer. found that very interesting. Nonetheless, our birthday suit wearer's mom let him go with Scoot eventually. And he was signed to Island Records. He worked with Scooter and Usher. His first single, One Time, was released several months before his EP, My World. In 2010, the single, Baby, was released before My World 2.0. Great song. His third album, Believe, was released in 2012. 2014, he released Where Are You Now? Great jam. He released uh, two more singles, Love Yourself and Sorry, and then released the entire album Purpose in 2015. It debuted at number one on the charts. In 2017, he collaborated with Louis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee on Despacito. The song broke multiple records and earned our birthday suit wear a Latin Grammy. Hmm. You sort of wonder, like, really? This dude? Anyways. He released his song Yummy in 2020. He released the song Peaches in 2021. On January 1st, 2022, our birthday suit wearer set the then record for the most monthly listeners in Spotify history, achieving 94.68 million monthly listeners. Jeez. Wow. That's since has been broken uh, by the weekend, Mike, who broke mm -hmm. 100 million monthly uh, uh, listeners, which is just. Yeah insane yeah anyways mike our birthday suit wearer is currently married to Haley baldwin name that birthday suit wearer the incredible justin bieber jay beebs is correct yeah. mike yes indeed jay beebs turning 29 29 29 Good. for the young buck wow. yeah he's getting old now so he's getting, crazy he's getting old man i i gotta be honest i was blown away by the whole his mom was like jewish i don't know like that but really 
You're, she's trying. I don't know, man. There's deep south people. It doesn't it's, really surprise me. It's Canada. So true. It's deep oh, yeah, north. Right. Come on, it's deep north. Like, I mean, you know, like I, I, like they're trying to make, right, yeah. trying to make your son a famous uh, singer, and you're like, mm, I don't know, like. Don't you want that? I would. Yes. As soon as he yeah. came to my house, I'd be like, "Sounds good, Mister Mister Manager Man. Get him on out there. <laughs> Get him doing some stuff. Sell this dude for money. Woo! Bring on the money. You know. But anyways. Yeah. Anyways. I, don't know. I also think he was like South. Why did I think he had Southern? Well, because he because so. he hung out with Usher all the time when he first yeah. uh, when yeah, he first why. got signed. You know. But uh, yeah, I uh, I also like going through the pictures and just seeing the uh, you know the evolution of uh, of Jay Biebs as he went through puberty and then got a bunch of tattoos. Like he has really accumulated the tattoos over the last ten years. Oh yeah. Like I mean, he had zero in 2013. Now he's uh, there's there's no there's no space for rent between his neck and his belly button, man. And so. I don't know about below the belly button. I, I wasn't privy to see that. But, you know, I mean, I, I, who knows? Anyways, regardless, Mike, I do love the album Purpose. It's a jam. All the all the songs on Purpose, you know? They're they're all up there. I love all this. Ah, Peaches, it wasn't one of my favorites. It's still really? pretty good. Yeah, wow. I mean, I like it, but it's just, I mean, it's a little bit derivative. Like, I didn't think it was his most original, most sort of groundbreaking work. I was just like, eh. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. If it's on the radio, I'll keep playing it. I'll sing along. But it's just one of those things that I'm like, I feel like you mailed it in a little bit on this one, you know, mm. wow. you know, but yeah, I mean, I that, that's amazing. the thing when you're talented, you can mail it in and it can still be fantastic. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, you know, if I mail it in with a song, people will be like, wow, that sounds like a dump on a on a song like you know anyways happy birthday to jay abeebs turning 29 29 it's just so wild i remember watching him he's like a little Being kid i'm like why do i like this little kid <laughs> like this music am i gonna am i gonna be arrested why do i like <laughs> this little kid this is bad anyways mike are you ready to rip some headlines let's rip some headlines doc g it's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, here's a headline that I barely made it through reading before I passed out in terror for my health. So let's see if you do that oh, uh, when I read this. Uh, quote, oh, man contracts flesh-eating parasite and goes blind in one eye after a nap. Ew. After a nap. All right, Doc G. It's horrible. It's horrible. That's not true. I, I don't know about anybody else out there, but I read that headline and was like, that's all I need to know. I'm not reading anything else. I don't want to know any more about this flesh-eating parasite <laughs> or naps. I don't want to ruin naps. I'm going to believe that that never happens during any naps ever. Nope. So I just... Yeah, well, unless you take one in like a dumpster or just uh, around a bunch That's of, the only you know. place I take them, Mike. No. <laughs> Horrible. Girl, come on. No, I, I saw that headline, Mike, and that is my nightmare in headlines. I was just like, no, 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 not reading that. Next thing, next thing. Mike, I've got a story here that is totally for you. Uh, I've got Sweet. a little investment news. Yes. So uh, Karen Green, 
Karen Green said back in 2007, she received an iPhone 1 as a gift, but she never opened it or used it because she had just purchased a new phone. Did you drop some coffee on you, Mike? Is that what happened there? Did you? I don't know. Listeners, I just saw <laughs> on our on our Zoom there. It looked like Mike. He was a little concerned. He was going in a for disappointed. A, he was going. I think in, I did. He was going <laughs> in for a drink, and then it was like, oh no, what? Oh, 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 oh no. Uh, Anyways, back to the story. Karen Green. She got an iPhone one as a gift, but she never opened it or used it because she had just purchased a new phone herself. So she's one of those people that I'd probably do the same thing, right? She got this, and it was just like she put it in the closet and forgot about it. She was just like, yeah. oh, well, I got this. All right, put Rich it in Rich people. There. You know? <laughs> well, just lazy people. Like, why am I going to return this? I don't know. Whatever. I should yeah, probably return it. Just $500 or whatever it was. <laughs> well, so a couple of years ago, she started wondering, like, hey, could I sell this thing? Hmm. Like, for anything? It's pretty old now. You know, would anybody be interested in buying it? So she put it out for auction, Mike. Any guesses how much the so, uh, the uh, phone sold for at auction? You know, Dr. G, not going to lie. I think I saw this story, and I, but I don't remember the figure. I want to say, if I remember correctly, it was like 50000 bucks. Very close. She sold this thing for? Very close. The phone was originally uh, bought for $599. She yeah. sold it for $63,356. Jeez. Wow, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, I was pretty close on that $500 figure, by the way. That was a the, total guess. You, I don't I, I have no idea how much iPhones cost. You were pretty close, Mike. Now, yeah. I, I, did a, I did a little research, Mike. If I had $599 to invest in 2007, uh, and we already know if I invested that money in an iPhone and did not open it and sell it uh, 16 years later, um, I would I would make $63,356. But what do you think, Mike? Would I make more money if I were to take that $599 and invest it in Apple stock instead of an iPhone? Okay, I feel like you would have made a lot of money. I just don't think you would have made $61,000. Hmm. You're right, Mike. You're right. But I still, yes, I still would make a lot of money. As we've mentioned, <laughs> if if uh, if I would have put it in the phone, I end up with $63,356. If I put it in Apple stock, I would now have $27,751. Wow. wow, wow, wow. Um, That's pretty nice, right, Mike? That's incredible. Yeah. So, Dr. G, I'm sure you saw my a little bit of distraction. Yeah. I was trying to look up the price of uh, like what Bitcoin would be worth if you bought $600 in 2007. But it'd be a lot. Complicated. It would be, be a lot. ton. It would be a ton. But, you know, I wow. did. I did neither of these, Mike. So. Yeah. But when the pr okay. when the price of pirate booty skyrockets, we all know <laughs> I'll be the last to laugh, Mike. Yes. Uh, Mike, you ever go thrifting? Oh yeah, love it. Yeah, it's one of my yeah 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 estate sales. We go thrift. We got all Vegas is amazing because we got all these antique malls. Yeah, Doc G. oh yeah. you'd love it. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna send my parents out there for you. My, my, yes, let's go shopping spree. You could go all day. My parents are big fans. They love they yeah. love going out to the thrift stores. Big fans. Yeah. I'm I'm not huge into it. 
you know? Nah. Nah, I mean, I'll do it. I'll go to one. But, like, usually, yeah. I mean, it's it. Don't get me wrong. I could spend all day in there. It's just like, you yeah. know, it's not on, like, my first to-do list, you know? Like, oh, no. I got I to gotta hit this up. But... See, he, here's where I think you would like it, Doc G, is the... I don't go for these... I don't... I only look at sports memorabilia. Oh, That's the only okay. thing I look yeah, at at yeah. the antique malls. Okay. And they have a lot of, like, stands for that so yeah. that's the I only do. thing that's i worry I you know is getting screwed on sports memorabilia you know like i'm, oh, yeah, I'm not sure i'm not an expert on on <laughs> and you do you uh, do yeah <laughs> i'm not an expert on signatures like i can't go in and be yeah. like oh yeah this is authentic like i need to see i need to see a certificate of it. authenticity yeah. you know anyways yeah. i'll tell you who is into thrifting mike george rebellus oh yeah. That's right. George is from Dallas. And George was uh, looking for things to get in Souls Harbor Thrift Store in Dallas. And he came across a Bachman Turner Overdrive a CD. Hmm. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to purchase that CD. So true. And he did. Now, George says in the article, he didn't open the case until about a month after he, he purchased the CD. What? And when he did, he discovered a Polaroid photo in the CD. The Polaroid was of JFK on the day he was assassinated. Wait, what? And it was hand-dated 11-22-1963. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And George went on to say, of course, I realized immediately that this was an unpublished photograph. So I was excited. It struck me as odd to find it in a CD case, however. So uh, George said he hasn't decided yet, Mike, whether he wants to keep the picture or whether he's going to sell it to a collector. So a couple of things, Mike. First of all, the weirdest (laughs) thing to me about this story is you decided to purchase a Bachman Turner Overdrive CD, which I can totally understand, Mike, they wrote taking care of business it's a jam taking <laughs> care of business yeah, every yeah, day yeah, yeah. jam jam Sweet. but you buy the cd and you're like you know what i'm gonna let that marinate for a month before i do anything with it like what wouldn't you pull it out a little bit before a month later like a month i'd already forgot that i'd had it like Keeps you a month from rocking out with that CD, Mike. Second, he says immediately he knew this was an unpublished photograph of JFK. Huh? Let me get this straight, Mike. George is an expert on JFK who very occasionally listens to Bachman over uh, Turner Overdrive, apparently. (laughs) Like, what? How do you see this picture? Oh, you know what? That's unpublished. Like, how do you... I would just be like, is this a is this a fake picture? Like, I would have no idea where this picture's from. Like, I'd have yeah, like, so random. Kidding me? It's crazy. Yeah, that's really weird. Lastly, how does the original owner of this picture ultimately decide that the best place for their priceless Polaroid of JFK is in the Bachman Turner Overdrive CD? Hmm. I, Maybe I, they were trying to straighten it out. I want I want a book <laughs> on that, Mike. Give me the whole story of that person and their picture of the JFK picture and how it ends up. 
you know, a little microcosm of the life of yeah. that picture. That's what I want to know. Like, just interesting, man. And just, wouldn't it get, like, stuck, too? you think, like, uh, after all that time, or maybe not so much time, it would, like, start to get stuck to the side. You would Depends on, I guess, how hot it was, you know? Like, true, true. Yeah, okay. Good point. Was it stored in a cool, yeah. dark place? Mm-hmm. Anyways, Mike, we'll, I'll try to follow up on that. We'll see if we have any more info on that. <laughs> I want to uh, see the picture. Uh, yeah, they uh, in, interestingly, they had a video of it, but I couldn't just like, you know, they showed the picture in a video, but they didn't have like They're just like, a flash straight. It. Yeah, here it is. I, there it <laughs> is. <blur. laughs> um, Mike, you remember Flacco? Um, hmm. He's Vaguely. the Eurasian owl that escaped. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. Flacco. Yeah, Flacco, Flacco was the Eurasian owl that escaped from Central Park, and now he's just been cruising around Central Park. Well, like Leo, I have an update for you, Mike. Yes, thank you, Doc G. Appreciate it. Uh, ever since he's been on his own, uh, regular bird watchers of Central Park have become annoyed at amateurs who are trying to find Flacco. They're getting annoyed at these loser bird watchers that don't know what they're doing, Mike. So true. And apparently, when they do find Flacco, they're not following birding etiquette. Mm. They're hooting at him to try to get <laughs> his attention, Mike. <laughs> hooting. Can you believe it? Oh, come on. Goodness uh. gracious. Lincoln Kareem, a, a bird photographer, <laughs> said, quote... Uh, quote, it's just that it's okay to stand and watch and photograph, but when you start hissing and hooting at the owl, that's disrespectful. Yeah, it is. Then another birder, Mike, added that Flacco is a nocturnal bird and is likely trying to sleep while human visitors are photographing. She said, I feel like he's saying, can you give me some space? Like he's a nocturnal animal. He's supposed to be asleep right now. End quote. A <laughs> uh, couple things, Mike. <clears throat> I, I'm all for respecting nature. We know this. Yes. Big fan. Big fan of mm -hmm. nature. That's a fact. But uh, I will say idiots hooting, not the worst thing I've ever heard of. Mm -mm. Like that, That's not that bad. Like... <laughs> Like, first of all, I would like to remind these professional birders that the owl does have wings. So if he's yes. truly annoyed, he can leave, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy. If he didn't like the hooting a whole bunch, he'd say, you know what? Let me fly somewhere else. That's a fact. Yes. Very they, true. They have the ability to do that, which is how he ended up leaving the zoo he said, you know what? I don't like this, and left. And it was nice for him. Secondly, the other bird watcher says he's a nocturnal bird, which, yes, he is nocturnal. Um, but regardless if there are dudes hooting at him, he's trying to sleep in broad daylight while balancing on a branch of a tree in the middle of literally the biggest and loudest city in the U.S., not exactly like this dude was in complete dark solitude before people started ho ho uh, hooting at him, Mike. Like, <laughs> he's already got a lot of things sort of going against him sleeping in the middle of the day. So, like, 
again, not going to say like a bunch of morons hooting is that horrible. Like, no. Like, I just, I, you know, I mean, like, honestly, if Flacco is annoyed, he can just fly up to a really tall building and sit on the top of it and be like, all right, nobody's up here. Yes. Like, pretty much. He can do that. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure Flacco's enjoying it. He's like, a celebrity. This is yeah. awesome. What if to him, the hoots are like songs? That yeah, they're, they're like, it's applause. Like He's like, hey, <laughs> I'm doing it, man. I am a celebrity, just like I told all the other animals in the zoo. I could do this thing without the zoo. Yeah, I could <laughs> I do it on zoo. my own. You know, <laughs> just saying. And also, Doc G, how do we know that you know from our previous episode that the hooting that these people are doing is the is the right hoot? Oh, it's de- it's definitely not. It's definitely <laughs> not the proper hoot for the Eurasian owl. He's like, you're talking in a whole nother language. That's Spanish to me, morons. They need to be screaming at him like they're uh, yeah. being exercised. <laughs> oh, there it is. I gotcha. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, none other than Jesse Dayton. This is I'm at Home Getting Hammered right here on the Doc G Show. Just riding on them rails I'm at home getting hammered While she's a getting nailed Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do listeners need to do? Hmm. Well, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, please subscribe. Mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if they're feeling extra generous, uh, please leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. We love reading the comments. Amen, Mike. Mm -hmm. Mike, we need to thank those regular listeners. We do. We need to thank those. We need to give them a shout out, and I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. Yes. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracod, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, and Spartansburg, South Carolina. Shout out. There we go. Regulars, Mike. Regulars. Now for the semi-regulars. Shout out to Stevensville, Maryland. Shout out to O-Town, Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. Shout out to New York, New York. Shout out to Hartford, South Dakota. Mm. Shout out to Dallas, Texas. Shout out to Athens, Georgia, Mike. One more on the list. One more week on the list. Athens will be a regular. Shout out to Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to Chicago, Illinois. Shout out to Aberdeen, Scotland. Uh, Shout out to Dowagiac, Michigan. Shout out to Max Meadows, 
Virginia. Shout out to Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Shout out to Eugene, Oregon. Shout out to Bowie, Maryland. Dusseldorf, Germany. Shout Ooh. out to Mountain View, California. There we go, Mike. Semi-regulars. Yes, indeed. Semi-regulars. Uh, Mike, also, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this for, uh, actually, it's about a week and a half span here. I want to give a special shout out. Hmm. Okay. Shout out. Yeah. And this took me, like I said, a while to process, but I was going back through the shows. I was looking for promo clips, looking for things that I could use, you know? And, uh, and I had thought about this a little bit before the promo clips, but at the end of the Hotel Fiction interview, Jade, their lead singer, Jade Long, says, and I quote, we love your show. Say what? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Thanks, Jade. And you, know, and you know what? I'm pretty sure that's the first time any artist has said that about our show. So true. Pretty sure. No other artist has said, we love your show. Now, listeners, like Mike just said, you could be saying, yeah, Ben, what if she was just saying that to be nice? Well, guess what? She succeeded. It was very nice. <laughs> All right? And, and you know, I'll tell you, nice is is way better than head. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what? And regardless, Mike, I'm going to think she believed it. You know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say she actually meant it. That's what I'm yeah. going to say. She did. Yeah. And you know what? We really appreciate that on this show. Thank you, Jade. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Jade. Yeah, they just Great name. they just finished up their tour with Flip Turn. Keep a lookout for new music. Shout out to Jade. Fantastic. Heck yeah. Um, nice. Mike uh, got a miscellaneous file here. Two things that came up this past week uh, that I feel uh, need to be addressed that in all reality don't need to be addressed at all, but that's why we put them <laughs> in the miscellaneous file. Exactly. So uh, they're about age. Both of them are actually about age, Mike. Um, first on social media, I am getting extremely tired of videos of various age people reacting to different songs from different time periods <laughs> and acting like it's amazing that different generations like different music. Yeah. We get it. We get it. Depending on when you grew up, you heard different music in high school. We understand. That's a fact. Like, I just, I don't get how these videos keep getting made of, here's a Gen X person listen to this song. Here's a millennial listen to this song. Here's a Gen, nobody cares. Or at least I don't. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. I just, I just don't get it. Like, I'm just like, how do these how do these keep getting likes and people keep looking at these things, Mike? It amazes me. Like people are bored. I don't. I don't. Social media. I, I don't get it, Mike. Stop it. If you're one of the people out there that make them, stop it. Anywho, second, Mike. Doc G, we should have. A re sorry, we should have a reaction video to like 1950s uh, television shows. <laughs> All the uh, misogyny and racism, and, and just be Whoa. like, and, yeah. Oh no, we're not supposed to like that. Oh, whoops, uh, my bad. Oh, yikes. I love Lucy. Whoa, That's fantastic. Whoa. <laughs> You're canceled. Um, sorry. Second thing, Mike. Have you ever watched an NBA game analyzed by Hubie Brown? Hmm. No, I don't think so. Maybe. He's a pretty great commentator. Give it up to Hubie. <laughs> yeah. Um, give some good analysis. 
he doesn't say too much, which is one of the things I like about Yubi. Keeps it pretty, mm-hmm. you know, sparse. But I like okay. his info, you know? Now, the reason I bring up Yubi is just not because he does a good job on commentating. The reason I bring up Yubi is, I was thinking when I was listening to one of his uh, one of his shows, or one of his uh, games, I was like, that dude's got to be pretty old. How old is Yubi? And I looked it up. Yubi is turning 90 this year. Whoa. 90. He is so old. Yeah. And, like, I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that I'm amazed with the job that he does. Like, Mike, Hubie played college basketball in 1951. Whoa. College basketball. Just for the listeners, they still wore belts with their uniform in 1951. Oh, yeah. You had a belt on your shorts in 1951, <laughs> which, by the way, I don't think wow. I don't think that's a trend that's coming back anytime soon. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they're lacing up with their belts anytime soon. But <laughs> also, the NBA was integrated for the first time, literally a year before he started playing college basketball. That was the first time African American players were in the NBA. It was 1950. Like this guy. Hubie Brown has literally seen everybody's greatest player play their whole career. I mean, think Mm. about that. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Dr. J, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. He's watched all of their careers from start Mm -hmm. to finish. So true. Like, this dude has seen so much change since he started playing basketball. It's crazy. Yeah. You know? Like, if I were him, that's just everything I would say is like, holy that never happened when I played basketball. What is this? What is that? (laughs) What are they doing? How much money do they make? I made $30 in a bag of beans, and this guy's making $400 million? That's amazing. So, anyways, Mike, I just wanted to say shout out to Hubie Brown. Dude gets it done, and he's 90. 90. Yeah. Shout out. Crazy. Shout out to him, man. Shout out to him. Mike, uh, I've got two leftover stories real quick, real quick here. Uh, Mike, close call in Pennsylvania. Mm. Uh, a woman was in her house in Lancaster County uh, when she heard what sounded like a gunshot. Uh, so she went into her nursery to make sure her infant was okay. When she looked around, she noticed there was debris on the floor and a hole in the room's drywall. Hmm. And as she was picking up her child, she noticed damage on the crib caused by what appeared to be a gunshot as well. Oh, my gosh. So she called the cops. Cops came to investigate, checked around the neighborhood. They interviewed one neighbor who let them know um, he was not shooting a baby. Uh, But it did just so happen that around the time that uh, the nursery was shot at, uh, he did happen to shoot at a squirrel who apparently was in the direction of the house uh, that was shot at. What? So maybe, <laughs> just maybe, oh my gosh. it was the same bullet. Maybe. Um, yeah. In the same article, Mike, it says, uh, later in the day, police said a dead squirrel was found in the wood pile near the home that had been struck by gunfire. Then it says charges against the shooter are pending, authorities say. 
Um, several things on this, Mike. <laughs> several things on this. I think my main question to you is, have you ever had a squirrel that you've been so mad at you <laughs> felt the need to murder in cold blood with a gun? Hmm. Uh, no, Doc G. I've never been uh, 75 years old or whatever <laughs> age you have to be to be annoyed by <laughs> Like, like what, what gets you mad at a squirrel <laughs> like that, man? Or just the need to... I've never looked at a squirrel and been like, I'm going to murder the <laughs> you right now. Like, just like... No. Why? Why? Why do you want to shoot that squirrel? I don't get it. They're innocent. They're all innocent. They're, Squirrels. I mean, even if you don't like them, like the worst thing you can say is they're just rats with fluffy tails. That's all they yeah. are. They hop much better than, than rats do. So you can't even... Come on. Anyways, the second thing, Mike, I feel like when you're purchasing a gun, they should have to ask you questions like, true or false? You're shooting at a squirrel with a house behind the squirrel. Regardless, if you hit the squirrel or not, there's an extremely high percentage you will shoot the house too. True or false? False. false. <laughs> you don't get the gun. You don't get the gun. Like, I mean... Come on, Walmart. Lame. Come on. You gonna give me a test? <laughs> This does America. Give me my gun. Give me my gun, I, I man. Just buy a gun. Yeah. Like it's just. I mean, where thought process, Mike? Thought process. I, I think I can shoot that gun. Uh, there's 17 people behind the squirrel. Yeah, it should be fine. <laughs> should be fine. Like, nope. Come on. Come on. Anyways, uh, Mike, I got one more story here. Uh, uh, it's about a recent tweet from the account Fesshole. Hmm. Have you ever uh, been on Twitter and seen the account Fesshole? I don't think so, no. It's a Twitter account that posts anonymous tweets from folks that confess sins. They feel like mm. they need to get off their chest. And uh, there was a anonymous tweet recently that has racked up a lot of retweets and likes, Mike. And here's the tweet. The man says, uh, quote, I've been subscribed to my mom's OnlyFans account for the past 18 months. Wait, what? Mike, I don't think he understands the term MILF. I think he really <laughs> doesn't get that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he goes on to say, Mike, I don't watch, I'm not sick, but my mom has been struggling financially for the past two years, but has never accepted any help money-wise from me. So instead, I have three OnlyFans accounts all subscribed. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm conflicted, Mike. <laughs> I'm 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 conflicted cuz you know I mean if your mom's struggling financially then apparently her OnlyFans accounts aren't doing too good either. Nope. Cuz like most people <laughs> on OnlyFans are doing pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. I hear the uh, I hear these OnlyFans models that are like I'm driving around in a Ferrari and buying beachfront houses like Apparently, your mom's not uh, easy on the eyes, if that's the case. <laughs> nope. Uh, second, Mike, if he really wanted to help his mom, 
Why didn't he make some kind of dubious claim on this Fesshole account that brings attention to his mom's only a fan count? And then instead of having three accounts that he signed up with, she'd have like 500 new ones from his whatever he did to put her name out there on the account. You know what I'm saying? So true. Yeah. Like you get all these eyes on the account and you're going to get a bunch of weird pervs that are going to sign up for it. That's going to be mm-hmm. way more effective than your three accounts that you're giving her whatever five bucks a month or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Just saying, you got to think, buddy, if you really want to help yeah. your mom with anonymity and give her money, just saying. Anyways. Yeah. Very true. Anyways. So, listeners, if you can... I mean, he doesn't list it either. That's the thing. I guess he doesn't want to, like, out who his mom is so they know who he is. But at the same time, oh, like... Man, I'm, she would have got a lot of... A lot of well, that's the thing. I'm like, if you really want to help, I could list it right now. Our our perv <laughs> listeners could be like, oh, go check her out. Why not? We'll see. If, we'll you see know. what's going on. Yeah. Just one month. Give her five bucks. Here we go. <laughs> Anyways, Mike... That is uh, the last stories that I have. We need to go to break. We need to go to our interview with the one, the only, Jesse Dayton right here on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have a fantastic artist with us today, a man who has recorded with the likes of Waylon Jennings, Rob Zombie, performed with Danzig, released more than 10 studio albums, written a book titled Bow Monster, and is getting ready to play in Florida. A little reminder to the listeners, you need to pick that book up. We are with Mr. Jesse Dayton today. Jesse, how are you, sir? How you doing, amigo? Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, uh... I like I said I I love the book I was I've, I've been going through it the last couple of days and it's uh I mean just man all those things happening to you during your life it's 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 wild it's wild to put it all in one book and look at and I I definitely want to talk about some of them but before we get to the book I, I want to talk about the show you just played you just did a show with uh, Danzig performing Elvis songs uh, a legend yeah. singing legend songs uh and you've you've done this before you played it back in in halloween uh 2021 and i i gotta ask how how the how the idea come together well you know i've heard uh that i got the gig through shooter jennings and rob zombie um because danzig knows both of them and said hey i'm gonna do this this elvis thing and if I get a rockabilly guitar player, then they're not going to be able to crush it and rock it hard enough. 
And if I get, you know, a metal or a punk guy, then they're not going to be able to play the rockabilly stuff. And so both of them said, hey, you got to get this guy, our friend. <laughs> so and uh, you so fit I got the middle. The yeah, yeah, I got the gig because I love all that stuff, man. I mean, I love, I'm, you know, a lot of people say, I'm into all kinds of music, but I actually am really into, like, I'm a nerd about it. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? And uh, I'm a music freak. And and so, of course, you know, I knew all that Scotty, I knew Scotty Moore, who played guitar for Elvis. And I got to play with Scotty Moore, DJ Fontana, oh. the guys who played in Elvis's band uh, when I was younger. And uh, so anyway, I just got home, man. I mean, we, we just played Friday night in Los Angeles to a sold-out show at this cool old theater. And uh, we, you know, I think his fans love it because it's so different, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're not, we're not doing Mother. and We're not doing hybrid moments. And, and nobody missed it. And it's, so I think it's fresh for Glenn. You know, it may, it's something different for him, too. Oh, yeah. He's, he's definitely been living in the Misfits Danzig world for long enough. It's a good thing to, to switch up every now and then. Although, he does keep that look. That scowl is always there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the way he is in real life. <laughs> that way 24-7. Uh, but, you know, probably the greatest singer in punk rock are... You know, and one of the great rock voices uh, oh, yeah. of all time. Um, when he walked into the rehearsal room and started singing Elvis stuff, I mean, it was like otherworldly. It was like, wow, this this is going to be like amazing. What What was your favorite Elvis jam that you guys did together? Like, I mean, obviously you have your favorite Elvis jams, but which which one did you think sounded the best? With you and Dan, man, I like some of the '70s stuff he did. Uh, I mean, of course, we did you know a lot of '50s stuff like Mystery Train and you know mm-hmm. uh, a mess of blues and a lot of that kind of straight up sun rockabilly stuff. But I also dig the kind of Memphis country soul. We did Always on My Mind. You were always yeah. on my mind. All nice. that stuff, and we did Loving Arms, and and we did uh, She Thinks I Still Care, real funky version of that and it's just great to hear you know when you go see Danzig which I did recently and they are one of the best heavy rock touring band acts out there I would say maybe the best out there for just old school heavy rock stuff you know Um, because after Danzig all that whole genre started becoming super mechanical and all the double bass uh, drum stuff started sounding like, you know, like real uh, digital, mm-hmm. like it just, you know, it just changed. He's still got the old school, but it's the beautiful thing about the Danzig sing Elvis thing is you can actually hear every little thing in his voice because it's not being covered up by like massive guitars and yeah and stuff like that. So if, you want, if you're really into Danzig's voice, this is the show you have to go see. And Trust me, you will not miss him not playing Mother or Hybrid Moments. Well, one one uh, other question there from from this uh, this show. I noticed there were heart shaped cupcakes. Did you, did you have one? Absolutely, I broke my uh, my dietary thing. I try to stay off the sugar, man. You know, I'm no spring chicken, so 
the only sugar that I let myself uh, ingest, my friend, is that wonderful Irish elixir known as Jameson. <laughs> and, uh, and so I try to say, like, I even go dark chocolate, you know, yeah. darker the better. But, you know, I just, sugar's just so terrible for you. So I quit all soft drinks. I quit all sweet, all that stuff. Got to get all that high fructose stuff that's killing us all. And, and uh, but the other night, you know, Glenn Danzig, he goes and he buys 500 heart shape. I mean, they're in like separate containers with separate little, they were super nice. It wasn't yeah. just like a bunch of cupcakes out. They were in like super container, nice little containers with little spoons and, uh, and 500 of them. So the first 500 you know, Valentine lovers that walked in. They went in like five minutes. But you know, when we played in Halloween, we played on Halloween in, in Hollywood, and he bought uh, 500 pentagram uh, cupcakes. <laughs> he got to fit fit the fit the holiday. I understand. I understand. I was like, man, how, how much were those cupcakes? He's like, I don't know, a few grand. I just thought it'd be cool. And I was like. Wow, worth it, worth it for the cool. Well, I mean, along along with the cupcakes, I did see too in the the Halloween one. You wore one of uh, Elvis's original rings. There, you got a, a TCB ring. That thing was enormous. Yeah, yeah, man, it was really cool. Friend of mine owns that ring. It's wild, and uh, and you know, we just thought it would be cool to do it. But we're all huge Elvis fans, man, and. Every everybody that I know that's in rock and roll, you know, gets it because you know, there was no template before Elvis. You know, Elvis actually made rock and roll a business. Yeah. Like nobody could sell that many records doing rock and roll until business until Elvis came along. So he kind of built the entire rock and roll infrastructure. You know, pre Beatles, pre Stones. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's amazing, you know, and you know he looked pretty good doing it until the very end. You know, got got a little slowed down there at the end, but definitely, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, and it throws so many different looks too, so many different looks for the king. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, so uh, we don't have unlimited time with you today, but I wish we did because, like I said earlier at the start of the the show, the book uh, is great. Amazing stories in the book. I, I'd like to talk about the, the whole thing. Um, sure. It, it came out there in 2021, and uh, it's just it's it's your it's your life. It's your interactions uh, that you've had, your albums that you've you've made, all your interactions with the legends that you've you've got to work with. And uh, I wanted to go up, uh, go over some of the things there. Um, you 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 talk sure, about learning guitar. Uh, from from Granville Cleveland and Little Mac Minor, and these were the two sort of guys that that got you started in guitar. And Granville it was it seemed really random. You met him one night at a pool in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, you know, so obviously yeah. <laughs> way away from the hometown. You're on vacation with your parents. You're forced to go, and he's sitting there yep. beside a pool with his guitar. Uh, right. It, it, what makes a dude like Granville Cleveland decide he'll teach a teenager three chords and three songs? Like, do you ever, like, wonder, like, why? 
Yeah, and the fact that he played with Johnny and Edgar Winter, who are from my hometown of Beaumont, Texas, is really weird. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, it was a universe, you know, kind of putting me in front of him, and um, it was bizarre, man. And I met him that night. He taught me the three hey's. I learned hey hey my my by Neil Young, hey good looking by Hank Williams Sr., and uh, hey Joe by you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And those were the first three songs I learned. Um, and I learned them from him on vacation. If I would have stayed home and gone to my brother's outrageous parties at the house while my parents were gone, I probably would have had a great time, but I wouldn't have learned, you know, uh, how to change chords on yeah. a guitar. But I was like a duck to water. You know, I was a terrible second baseman. I was terrible at all this other stuff but I could play guitar I learned really quick and I you know I didn't have to put a whole lot of effort in it although I did eventually I would yeah. you know study and do my 10,000 hours and you know uh, play like 8-10 hours a day in the summers when I was off from school and, Yeah, I- but you know all the stuff kind of eventually led to me playing with you know Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings and you know uh, all these different rock outfits and and it was all uh, it was all crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, before I get to the 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 craziness of of especially the highwaymen because you sort of have a a section dedicated to each one of the of the highwaymen there. I did yeah. want to say uh, with little Mac Minor, uh, he's who who helped you learn the twelve bar blues and. Uh, claimed to be Lightning Hopkins' cousin. It seems like there may be some. He, who knows? <laughs> he was. He was. He was Mance Lipscomb's and Lightning Hopkins' cousin. Nice, nice. And, and uh, they and he could really play, man. Like he was an old black guy who hung out underneath the tree in Snook, Texas. And this cowboy that I knew, who was a real working cowboy said, hey, man, I want to take you over and introduce you to this guy. And he stopped at the liquor store, and I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting a bottle of uh, Mad Dog 2020 because he won't play for us unless we bring him a guitar and a bottle of Mad Dog 2020, (laughs) which I thought was crazy. And so I started going over, just driving over. I just got my driver's license. I was really young. So I started driving over there. I get my brother, who was older, to buy some whiskey. And I bring it over there, and he taught me "Good Morning, Little Schoolgirl" and uh, "Mojo Hand," and basically Lightning Hopkins, all that stuff. And yeah. he taught me how to keep that that droning string going that you hear in East Texas. Um, Blind Lemon Jefferson was actually from East Texas, and he was the first big selling blues artist before Robert Johnson. And he sold a lot of records. So that whole area where I'm from has this kind of country blues history yeah uh that's a lot it's a lot different than say uh you know the georgia stuff and, oh yeah uh, and, and you know the north mississippi stuff mm-hmm. um, but uh yeah i got i got to be friends with him and i've got i've got I still got to get it digitized and, and uh but i've got a uh of me and Matt Minor playing a whole set together. And I'm like a little kid. Like, I'm not even shaving. Wow. You know? And uh, 
actually, eventually I got a, a band together, a little band together, and I brought him to our gig, and he opened up for us. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I just... When you when you told in in the book with that story, all I could think of, like I mean, like you mentioned, basically getting him to play uh, by buying him booze. Like all I could think of yeah. was Leonard Skinner's ballad ballad of Curtis Lowe, and I was like, he absolutely it's basically yeah, him, <laughs> which is in my top three favorite Skinner songs for sure. Yeah, um, I mean that song, but you know, it's not a very uncommon thing for people and for musicians in the South and in Texas who grew up uh, in rural areas um, to meet, you know, an old person, mm -hmm. whether he was an old, you know, hillbilly dude or an old black guy or whatever it is to teach him country or blue. Yeah. Yeah. It, it happened a lot. It wasn't, you know, it sounds like folklore now, but it, that, that was all over the place back then. You had to, you had to hand it down. Obviously, there was no, there was no tabs on the internet. wasn't wasn't that easy. Yeah, we didn't have, we didn't have the internet. I mean, I was literally putting on like uh, the Jimi Hendrix record live in the West. I would put it on the record turntable, and then I would put three quarters on top of the needle to slow it down. And then that's the way I would learn how to go. Wow, no, wow, no, wow, no, no, no. And, you know, that's how I would do it. And now, you know, of course, you can go on YouTube and they'll yeah. basically play it for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, now, uh, like I said, you, you, you got, well, like you mentioned, too, you got to play with each of the, 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 the highwaymen. You got to play with Waylon, Willie, uh, Johnny, and, and, and Chris. And you sort of talk about the differences of them and, like, you know, what you – what you, what inspires you about all all of them? And I, w I was sort of wondering, was there one of those four guys that you related to more than the others? Like, I know you said at one point Waylon was the coolest, and you, you know, and you said that like Willie's on a on a yeah. different level and all. But did you just feel like you could relate to one of those guys more than the others? I mean, I spent the most time with Waylon. Mm -hmm. I spent the most time with Waylon, so it would probably be Waylon. Uh, and Waylon was real cool. You know, Ray, Waylon, I mean, this was later in their lives. You know, it was in the 90s, and, you know, they had film crews following them around everywhere. And, you know, it, it was crazy, man. Uh, you know, I was I was playing this club in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. I was a Continental Club. Mm-hmm. And it's a legendary club. I mean, yep. Stevie Ray started out there. Jimmy. Um, I mean, so many people played mm -hmm. there, you know. And I'm playing there, and this woman comes in from Nashville. And she's a big-time uh, publicist from Nashville. And she said, look, I'll never get you on the radio. But I can get you on TV. So she goes, give me your number. I'm going to call you. So she calls me like the next day and she goes, Hey, why don't you come up to Nashville? I'm going to put you on this show called Crook and Chase. Mm -hmm. And it was a square country show that was like one step above like the Christian broadcasting network. It was kind of silly. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. nothing, I, nothing I was into watching really. I yeah. mean, it was like, the, it was mainstream 
you know, Nashville people and they all had the, you know, neon Garth Brooks shirts on, you know, all that stuff. And I was like a fish out of water, you know, tattoos and, you know, anyway, so I go up and I do the show and right before I go on, she goes, Hey, uh, Chris Christopherson is going to be on the show tonight. And I wanted to introduce you guys because you're both from Texas. And I was like, okay, this just got a whole lot cooler. <laughs> and then Chris walks in and we hit it off. We start talking about, I think Charles Bukowski and books. And, and uh, he's like, hey man, do you want to hang out afterwards? And I was like, absolutely. So after the show, we jumped in a town car and uh, we went to the Gibson Guitar Factory and we burned one on the way. So anyway, we had a great night. We hung out. I thought it was great. I was like, okay, well, at least I played, you know, you know, all my hillbilly relatives in Beaumont, Texas will think it's cool that I was on this country show. And, yeah. You know, my mom, I got to meet her crush and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, you know. So the next morning, I'm about to check out of the hotel, and the phone rings, and this voice comes on. He goes, hey, Hoss, I tracked you down. Saw you on the show last night with Chris. You want to come play guitar for me? I was like, who is this? He goes, Waylon Jennings. <laughs> so I blew off going to the airport and went to Woodland Studios, and I knocked on the door. Johnny Cash opened the door. <laughs> And I, he goes, are you going to stand there with your mouth open or come in and play that thing? <laughs> and this is the first time I'd met any of them. And so I went in and I played. I did this song. I did, we recorded a Willie song, I Never Cared For You, uh, with Waylon, with me and Waylon. And John was sitting there the whole time. Man. And, uh, and then... Two weeks later, I found myself back in Nashville, like playing lead guitar on his record, on the whole record, you know. So that's how it all started, man. And it was, uh, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to meet the, the three out of the the, the four highwaymen in uh, in two days and twenty four hours is. Uh, yeah, it's 24 hours. <laughs> pretty, pretty nuts. Uh, I The part yeah. I love about meeting Chris Christopherson, you mentioned it, when he's playing the show, you played first, and then he comes out and does his performance, and in the middle of his performance, he just stops and says, whoops, put the capo on the wrong fret. And just like... Yeah. And just like... Oh. I, I just made me like him so much more, like... He just does like who does that? Who I don't care. Uh, let me just switch this. Like it's just such a yeah. There's there's footage. There's footage on YouTube of me tell me and Waylon talking about that. <laughs> like because the next day when I met Waylon, there was all these. We were at the studio. There was this film crew there. Yeah. And I'm telling, and Waylon goes, "What the happened with the capo? That was awesome." <laughs> and I said he put it on the wrong capo man and stopped in like like you don't I mean for the audience that's listening you never stop once you're on live national yeah. TV but it's Chris Christopherson who's I mean they're all so cool yeah. you know uh, they don't care you yeah. know. Well, it's, 
it, it is like it, it's like you said it's it's just he it, it's about the hang he's worried about just in the moment and you know what he's like oh doesn't sound right oh here it is there we go like he's not yeah yeah i think it was like this it was like take the ribbon from your hair chris's voice you know yeah uh and then he's like oh that's the wrong key take the ribbon <laughs> from your hair. like even lower <laughs> <laughs> But uh, a little bit later on in the in the book, you, you've got your your Willie stories, and uh, there's a great Willie story. You're recording at a studio, and you had a gig, and you had to take an amp for the gig, and they and you know the folks there told you just just take one of the amps, and you were looking around, and you found one that looked pretty crappy. And you were like, all right, this is beat up. This is old. Who cares? And you accidentally take Willie's amp. Uh, <laughs> and you you didn't realize until you got back that, and basically him saying, where's my amp? And you go, oh, oh holy crap. Like, did you well, think? So, well, so, so what happened is we were at Willie's studio in Austin, outside of Austin, at Pattern Alice Studio. And I'd spent the day recording with Kenny Aronoff and this great bunch of great musicians, Johnny Gimble on fiddle. And at the end of the day, I had, I had to go to this Americana music conference in New Orleans. And they go, hey, we're going to fly you there. You're going to play the gig. You're going to fly right back. Goes, but if you want to bring one of your amps, you know, just because you never know what they're going to have when you get there. Yeah. And I was like, they had all these cool vintage amps. And I, I brought the most beat up crappy one thinking like i'll just take this one nobody will miss it then i get back and uh and i then i put it in this case that was like from the 70s and it said willie nelson for president on it real big and i came back in and i walked in the kitchen and and willie goes merle haggard came over out of the blue last night and we stayed up till three in the morning recording and I didn't have my amplifier. And I was like, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, did you take my amp? And I just, the fear shot through me, dude. Like, I mean, just, just stricken with fear. Do you think you're going to be said, thrown out I, forever? Never going to yeah, be invited like back? Willie Nelson getting, I didn't want Willie Nelson to get mad at me, you know? And I said, well, I brought the old Standell out. He goes, that's my amp. <laughs> said, Willie, I'm so sorry. I took the one that I thought was the least desirable one in case it was like, he, he started laughing. So he walks over and he goes, he, I think he kind of felt bad because he knew I was mortified. Yeah. And he goes, you want to keep my case? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and, and then he walked out of the room and I literally fell to my knees and put my hand my head hand in my head like you dumb like you took willie's and uh and then his manager pootie walks by and goes hey man you took willie's amp and got a case out of it that's pretty cool <laughs> and, and it was just i was i was kind of destroyed but you know later on fast forward like years and years later and we're playing at luck texas mm-hmm and I'm playing with Willie's daughter, and we go on right before Willie, and then Willie's about to walk up to the stage, and he looks over at me and goes, hey, buddy, is my amp here? <laughs> like, he remembered after all those years, like, he, 
I was so shocked. But yeah, Willie's the coolest man. Uh, and, you know, he's the king of Texas. He, I, I, I wonder when you were telling that story. I mean, I, I definitely would be freaked out too if I were in your spot. But at the same time, when I think about it, I don't think I've ever seen. Have you ever seen Willie mad? Mad? Like, have you seen him in in any situation where he got I mad? Never, I never have. I've never, I've never seen him mad. But I do know that he can get mad. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's like everybody else, man. I mean, he, he's gotta, he, he might smoke ganj and be chill, uh, but... Uh, he's got to push the right you know, buttons. Yeah, I mean, he t- he studied, like, martial arts for, like, 30 years. I mean, he's a black belt, you I, know? I don't, and, I don't uh, want an angry Bruce Lee-type Willie Nelson coming at me, that's for sure. Yeah, uh. Billy hit me. <laughs> crazy stuff on him. No. Well, he's almost 90 now, so I think all that stuff he did for himself when he was younger has is, is served him well in his later years. So, you know? Something's definitely paying off. Yeah, that's for sure. That's that's definitely for sure. Um, well, this this is a super random one in the book that I love, but, I mean, it had to be super random for you, too. You're rocking a show out. You see this person in the audience. They just keep staring at you. You think they're like a serial killer. You don't know who they are. Uh, and they come up and tell you that they're John Lee Hooker's assistant. And, you know, obviously you don't really believe them at first, but then they eventually end up taking you to John Lee Hooker's house, and you're there. And it's such an awesome, like, random occurrence. And, like, all I, all I could think about in that story was, like, did you ask her at any point, like, does he know I'm coming up here? Did you, like, do... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, well, she was on the side of the stage, and she was just eyeball stink eyeing me, man, the whole gig. Yeah, and she kept waving me over to her. So actually, during the show, between songs, I think my bass player was doing some kind of thing where I had some time, or and I said, "Hey, what's going on? What's the deal?" Yeah. Like I thought maybe she worked for the club. Yeah, and she, hey, I work for John Lee Hooker. You want to meet him after the show. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. Another <laughs> night in San Francisco, you know. Yeah. But we we loaded up and we went and we went to John Lee Hooker's house. And and uh, I walked in and he had his suit on. He was really old. This is not long before he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had this suit on. He had his old Stella guitar, his original one. There's a picture of me playing it. With yeah. It's like, that guitar, young man, play me a song. And uh, he was talking about some chick that he wanted to hook up with in Portland. Like, I got to, just like a blues man, you know, I got to get back on the road, man. I got some women I got to see, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was he was super cool. And he had a picture next to his bed. That's of him. Y- him and Sean. That was my favorite part of the story. I was like, like, why is there a picture of you and Sean Penn next to your bed? He goes, he lives two houses down and he brings me over spaghetti on Tuesdays from my favorite Italian restaurant. He goes, and if he's out of town or on set, he has it delivered to me. It's just crazy stuff, you know. It doesn't really make any sense, but it's 
interesting, uh, you know. Oh, and when, when that that story when you when you talk about that story in the book, I was like, I want a whole another book just on that. It could it could be titled yeah. Hook and Pin. I'll bring the spaghetti. I would, <laughs> I would definitely. I just want to know, like, how how does that even happen? How does Sean Penn end up in John Lee Hooker's house? And he's like, hey, you know what? I really like that spaghetti too. You want to bring it? Yeah, I'll bring it next week. I'll see you then. Like, how does that happen? That is so. And then it gets to the point that they're such good friends. It's like, you know what? I need your picture beside me in the bed. Yeah. I need you over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. wild. But um, yeah. one of the other things there, one of the last things from the book I wanted to bring up, I think a lot of people know you uh, for your work with Rob Zombie, or at least they know the music and, uh, you yeah. know, Captain Clegg and the Night Creatures. And uh, I feel like you you ended up going on tour with Rob. Uh, I mean, with Hellbilly Deluxe Two Tour, this massive pro- one, yeah. production. I feel like that had to be so different than a lot of the tours you did. Like looking back on those tour dates, does it feel like? Do, I mean, does it feel like a different world? Like when you think back to that, just what was going on during that tour. Well, it was crazy. For the listeners that don't know, I had done the music for The Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. And then he called me back and said, hey, I'm doing this Halloween 2 movie. I think I want to put you in it. And why don't you write another soundtrack for it? And we'll feature the songs in the movie. And I played, you know, this guy, this band leader, psychobilly band leader, vampire guy. And then that actually did really well for me. That was actually the first time I really made real money in the music business, like where I could, like, you know, actually do something. Yeah. And uh, was and it was cool because Rob was really cool to me. Rob gave me like the lion's share of the, of the songwriting, and like he did stuff that he didn't have to do. Yeah. And uh, he brought me on tour. And he goes, hey, why don't we? Why don't you come on tour with me and be the band in the movie? Because everybody at the shows is going to have seen the movies; so they're all going to know about the band. Yeah. And it was a great marketing idea. So we brought the, the soundtrack on tour with us and sold it. Nice. And you know we're playing these huge places every night. You know, Rob's yeah. like, I don't know. Basically, he's like, for the listeners that don't know, that might have listen to him on the radio in the 90s he's way bigger now he's like he's like an Aussie level oh yeah uh, you know he's playing huge concerts sheds you know 10,000 people a night yeah more and uh so it was just a great time and then while I was on tour with him I wrote this script and um he put me in touch I had been in Halloween with Malcolm McDowell yeah and, uh, and I ended up making a movie, star a horror movie starring Malcolm McDowell. And mm-hmm. It sold, and uh, I didn't really have a lot of fun making movies. So it's not as cool. Like you know, you'll hear people they'll go, "Well, musicians want to be actors, and actors want to be musicians." Mm-hmm. So let me just go on the record and tell you that actors want to be musicians. Not worse than musicians. <laughs> Because sitting around in a trailer, it doesn't matter if you're Rob 
Robert De Niro or Rob Zombie or George Clooney or whoever you are, you're sitting around in a freaking trailer. Yeah. The majority of the time. When you're a rock star, when you're a musician, you walk out, it is instant love. It's thousands of people. It's it's a thousand times cooler than being a freaking any day. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I went and made that movie, and I did a few movies, and I didn't really enjoy it that much. I mean, they, they turned out okay, but it wasn't as fun as it was like, you know, doesn't get getting the blood flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Getting on a bus with your brothers and going out and playing, it's like it's the ultimate. For sure. For sure. Well, I want I want to get I want to get to that because you're coming to our town here in just uh, in a few days uh to play. I want I want to ask you yeah, about never that. Never played there. No? No, I've never played. I think I think I might have played one show back in the day. Uh, but it was never my show. I've never played there. I've only played like Miami and I don't know where else, but I hadn't played, I hadn't really played Florida. Much. Nice, nice. Well, I, I'm going to ask you about that, but before we get to our hometown, I want to talk about your hometown, uh, not Beaumont, but Austin. Uh, yeah. and, and like you said, you've had so many good times throughout the last 30, 40 years in Austin, Continental Club. Antones, the the Black Cat yep. Club, on and on and on, and you just you won last year at the Austin uh, uh, Austin Music Awards. You won the Austin Music Hall of Fame Award. Uh, yeah, knowing how much you put into that city, how did it feel getting that award? You know, I got to say, I was shocked because I thought, you know, I'm too young to get this. <laughs> Like, you know, they usually give it to the guys that I look up. Yeah. I think the two youngest people in it are me and Charlie Sexton. Nice. Um, That's good company. Yeah, I've always I've always loved Charlie. He's great. He's so talented. Um, but I was shocked. I was shocked, man. I was it was out of all the awards I've gotten, man, that's the one that really means a lot to me because you know, listen, man, people can talk about Nashville. They can talk about L.A., New York, London, Seattle, Chicago, all these great music cities. People go to those places to make it. Mm-hmm. They go there to discover it. In Austin, they go there to find out who they are. And it's all about the art. And we have 730 live music venues. It's insane. That's you crazy. can't walk into, yeah, you can, like this morning, I went and got coffee at a little coffee, little hippie coffee joint around the corner in my neighborhood. And there was some band playing a gig at there at 1030 in the morning. You know, It's like live music is everywhere. You can fly into Austin on a Sunday, not go to one single festival, just go club hopping Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And it'll blow your mind. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I know the world's changed. And Austin's changed a lot since I first got here. But everywhere's changing. I mean, Madrid's changing. Tokyo's changing. You know, uh, freaking Des Moines, <laughs> you know, whatever's changing. So, it's... It, it, I love, I love, I still love living here, man. Uh, you know. 
it's it's definitely it's uh, my my brother my brother uh, his his job is uh, their headquarters in is in a, is in Austin and it's definitely I mean that's one of the signs of the times because he's in software so of course it's in it's also in uh, Austin but you know wondering about that this is something that I ask a bunch of my guests if I'm coming to Austin and I I call you up and I say Jesse I'm coming to Austin I need a place to eat. Where's the local place? Where's the still, like, the really local place that you feel like you're in Austin when you go to eat there? Where would you tell me? Okay, so the thing about Austin is, is it is a town that was born on barbecue and Tex-Mex mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Now, it has become this multicultural, international restaurant scene. Mm-hmm. But, you know... There's a whole handful. If you want to really feel like you're in Austin at a restaurant, you want to go to South Lamar to match El Rancho Mexican food. It's not the best Tex-Mex food in Austin, but you will feel undeniably like you're nowhere else but Austin, Texas. But there's a whole list of barbecue joints. I mean, you got Franklin's Barbecue. You got got, uh, Terry Black's Barbecue. You, I mean, you got Marino's barbecue. I mean, and this is all like amazing Texas barbecue. It's not North Carolina, South Carolina style. It's not Memphis style. It's brisket. It's it's, te- it's beef, and it's what we do best. Yeah, yeah. But my my brother, uh, when he goes to Austin, he goes to a place. He really he's a big believer in Magnolia's Cafe. I don't know if you ever. Oh man, that's the best breakfast in town. Nice, nice. That's yes. where you that's where you go when you're hungover at three in the morning or the <laughs> next day. <laughs> I could definitely see it. I could see it. Well, now, like I said, you're you're coming here to Florida, and you've got a show in in Ponte Vedra, and then you've got a show in Gainesville, both North Florida spots here, right near us. So, you know, since you haven't played there before, Ponte Vedra yeah. is is a pretty big. It, it's a concert hall, uh, and then. Gainesville is the high dive, and the high dive is, you know, it's more of a, a gritty rock bar. Dive bar. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, in the book you mentioned that, that it sort of fits you. The, you said, you know, your heroes, they all played joints. They played gigs. So do you prefer yeah. playing those? Like when you, I mean, you know, obviously both of them are fun. You said, you know, no, nothing like walking on stage, but do you like playing those little little spots man i'll tell you i'll tell you the real story the true story of it is everywhere that we played in the united states and in europe we started out playing to small audiences Mm -hmm. so if i've never played there before i will go into a little joint it doesn't matter if there's a hundred people there or a thousand people there i'll put on the same show and then the next time that I play there, it'll be a scene because the word will spread. People will say, man, we went and saw this guy and there was like, you know, it was the first time he ever played in our town. So there wasn't a lot of people there and you got to come back. And then the next time I come back, it'll be like, so we'll start in these small places and then we'll move up. I mean, now I'm playing places on the West Coast where we're playing theaters, you know, I mean, we're playing big, we're playing big place. Yeah. Uh, 
in Texas and some places in the uh, Midwest and in New York and stuff like that. I just haven't spent a lot of time for whatever reason. I haven't spent a lot of time in Florida and I love Florida and I like, I'm going to, I'm going, the reason I'm playing there is because I'm doing this outlaw music cruise with Steve Earl and Lucinda Williams and the Mavericks and uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard. Is Jim going on the show again? Do you know Jim Lauderdale? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jim Lauderdale beyond, you know, love Jim Lauderdale. Sure. Um, but, you know, so, you know, if you see me playing at these places, all I can say is come see me now because you're going to see a show that was, that you'll be able to tell people like, man, I saw him the first time he ever played Ponte Vedra or, or, you know, Gainesville or whatever, because when we come back, it won't be like that. <laughs> Well, I, I, it won't. It won't. And, and when you get when I get in front of those small audiences, man, we just throw the set list out. Nice. Like you get a show that's totally different because it's like, man, we can do whatever we want here. You yeah. know, it's 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 all it, it's it's evident too because like you look at you know your you look at streaming and you look at where you play and you where you play is is way above the streaming numbers and it's obvious that your touring brings people there they want to see you live like it's it's impressive well you know it's a show that has it's 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 kind of worked for me and worked against me i mean i have so many influences you know i will say this if you're into rock and roll if you're into country music if you're into punk rock if you're into classic rock if you're into like whatever this is a guitar show. I've made my living playing guitar for so many great people. So when you see me play, it's not going to be just like seeing just another blues guy mm-hmm. or another country guy or another whatever bar chord rock guy. I mean, it, 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 we play all this stuff. I mean, all my favorite bands. You know, whether it was Stones or Zeppelin or The Clash or whoever it was, if you look at what they did, they all dabbled in different styles of music, the dead, whatever it was, under the guise of rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, So that's kind of the way our show is. And um, it's it's been great for us because we've we've been able to play on so many different bills and genres and a lot of people call me a blues guitar player. A lot of people call me, you know, country or whatever, you know. But uh, you know, if you're into guitar playing, man, this is yep. this is a show you need to come to. You'll get in where you fit in. I like it. Well, yeah, well, it's a three piece, man. It's a power trio. Well, now after the power trio stuff, you got a whole bunch of dates with Samantha Fish coming up. You're actually going to uh, you're going to Europe, and then you're coming back. Well, Samantha Fish and I, Samantha Fish and I just recorded a duet's record together. Yeah, and the record's coming out as Samantha's next record. Uh, so the, the 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 first single comes out in March, and then we go out. I spend the rest of the year with Samantha doing this doing this record, this mm-hmm. supporting this. Samantha Fish, Jesse Dayton, we call it Death Wish Blues, uh, and that's the next thing on the 
you know. That's the rest the of 2023. Yeah, it's the rest of the year. That's awesome. That's awesome. The the, the Stardust Sessions uh, uh, singles are, are really good. I'm, I'm guessing it's it's pretty fun to, to work with uh, Samantha as far as uh, making music. I love Samantha. I've known Samantha since she was a kid. She used to open up for me in Kansas City, and I used to always think to myself, man, she's a bad guitar player. Mm. I used to think to myself back then, because I see so many guitar players, yeah. you know, and I think people are kind of easily impressed, you know, because these days there's not a whole lot of original yeah. guitar players, you know, like you, if you look on TikTok or something like, Hey, this kid's doing a perfect impression, of Eddie Van Halen or Joe Bonamassa or whatever, but they don't really take into account what it took to write that. Yeah. And that's where the real genius lies. Um, and I saw Samantha playing a bunch of stuff that I was just kind of shocked and not because she was a girl, but I would have been shocked if it was any human being playing on that level. Um, And then, lo and behold, you know, uh, years and years later, she comes out and sees me in New Orleans and said, hey, do you want to make a record together? And I was like, sure, let's go. Let's go for it, man. Just another one of those stars align, just like like Waylon, just like Willie. Yeah, I mean, you never know. It's, it's, and uh, so we've been doing a lot of scoring together, and, and it's it's been great. For sure, for sure. Well, Jesse, I don't want to take up any more of your time, man. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. It has been fantastic. Ben, thank you, brother. For sure. Listeners, you can make sure you need to go see his shows, either Ponte Vedra or Gainesville. You need to read his book. You can keep up with everything Jesse Dayton at jessedayton.com, or you can follow him on social media right now let's take a listen to one of my favorites as far as his songs go uh daddy was a badass right here on the doc g show all right well daddy was a badass because daddy was a badass because daddy was a Here on the Doc G uh, Show, you just heard Jesse Dayton. That's right, folks. That's right. Just a legendary artist there on the show, because that is what we do. Yes, it is. Legends. Legends. Mike, I don't know about you, Hmm. but I just don't believe that uh, Willie Nelson has it in him to beat the somebody i just don't see that you know like it just doesn't fit his demeanor like even yeah, if right. even if he's mad at you i feel like it's just one of those things that he's like you know he gives you the the mentor i'm i'm disappointed in you look you know just yeah, like yeah yeah mm. and then you feel bad in your soul for the next couple of days that you let yeah. willie down not mm-hmm. like he turns around and roundhouses you. Like, I just don't see that happening. But mm-hmm. I would feel really bad after I found out that that's whose guitar I took was Willie's. You know, I'd be like, oh, oh, no. Oh, not guitar. Sorry. Amp. Amp. Yeah. Uh, anyways, great stories, man. 
Great stories. I feel yeah. I feel like Jesse's got like 10,000 more of those that you could go through. It's crazy. If you haven't read his book, listeners, make sure you read it. It is. It's full of those. Bow Monster, it's out there. If you're too lazy to read it, there's also got the audio uh, book edition. Mm. And it's actually narrated by him. So nice. you get you get a, you get a little Jesse Dayton reading there. Pretty yeah. nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. Anyways, Mike, uh, it is time for us to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Doc G Top 3. Doc G Top 3. Mike, this is a good one. Uh, it's a, uh, a sports fans one. Uh, specifically basketball one. NBA dunk contest best dunks. And I got to be honest, it took me a while to whittle this down and 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 sort of separate the player from the dunk. And I think my my number 1 will surprise you. I think mm. it will surprise you. Okay. Um Now, do you want to do honorable mentions last or do them first? Hmm. We can do them first cuz I don't think that either of my two honorable mentions will be your Okay. But it could, it, you never know. So okay. We'll I've got I've got three honorable mentions. Okay. So my three honorable mentions first, Nate Robinson dunking over Dwight Howard. Okay. Um, I just love that one because he is so small. Yeah, he and is. And Dwight Howard is so big, and it's just so impressive. Like, I mean, yeah. he just looks like a mother effing frog just jumping over. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Crazy. My uh, second honorable mention, Mac McClung, 540. Sweet. Like, I was... This this last one, I was impressed. That was that was an impressive dunk, man. And I have to say, I think one of the things that people did not mention about this year's dunk contest enough was that he hit all of those dunks on the first attempt. That's a fact. There was no screw ups in any of those dunks. This was the guy from Philadelphia, right? Yeah. 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 No screw ups. That wow. almost never happens anymore. So true. Like he went through all four dunks. Lawless. That was that was incredible. But specifically the 540 dunk that he ended it on, wow. A 540. Mm. That is impressive. And then my last honorable mention, Zach Levine between the legs from the foul line. Cause wow. Jeez. Yeah. That was pretty wild. I mean, you're taking a dunk that people have been doing since the 80s, and now you're just like, oh, by the way, I'm gonna put it between my legs while I'm doing it. I'm not even trying. Like wait, what? That was uh, insane. Insane. What are your two uh, honorable mentions, Mike? Yeah. Um, so my two honorable mentions would definitely be, I, I forget his name, even though you literally just mentioned it, but his... Uh, Mac McLung? His, yeah. His, mm -hmm. He had like a delayed dunk, like a delayed... Uh, where he did the double pump? Yeah, or the one like where, he touched, kind of where he touched the, the <clears> glass? <throat> Because he had one where he did double pump, and the double pump was a reverse. The uh, off the glass was where he dunked over two people. Yeah, no, he didn't dunk. He didn't dunk off. It was just like it was a delay. I, I, it's probably not a good honorable mention. Okay, so I'll move on. The we'll do the I, double pump. I, I think yeah, you're referring to the I think double that's pump. That's what it was. Um, that was just off the top of the head. Uh, Okay. Mentioned. The other one was definitely Vince Carter hanging from the rim with his elbow or like from his arm. Like that was uh, so like, true. Wow. 
I, Pe- nobody's ever done that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still one of those like I think it it it, it speaks volumes because people didn't even know what to do afterwards. Like there's yeah, still were, everybody was confused. There's still <laughs> never been a response like that. They were just like, "How? What?" Hmm. And he went word. And he hung huh? here, yes. like yeah. just like they didn't even like it was just mind blowing. So I'll definitely say yes. <clears throat> now, um, my number three, Mike. My number three, classic. It's. I think it goes with the dunk contest more than anything, so I had to put it in the top three. <clears throat> Jordan jumps from the foul line. Yeah, um, for sure. It's just, and his just looks smoother than anybody else's. That's the thing. He yeah. he, he he condenses down and then he spreads out before he dunks, and it just yeah. looks like art. It just yeah. looks like poetry in motion when he does it. That's a fact. And I just still don't think there's been so many people that have done the foul line dunk since then. I just don't think anybody has done it as artistically as he's done it. The closest one was the Zach Levine between the legs through the uh, from the foul line. Yeah. But it just it still didn't look like it and I mean still whenever you bring up the dunk contest it's that Jordan from the foul line that people think of. So yeah, your number sure. three, Mike. Um, my number three would be the 2011 JaVel McGee uh, three ball slam. Wow. Three, three balls. Yeah. Wow. Three basketballs. That was pretty cool. That's a curveball. I did not see that one coming. I mean, yeah, you know, never. it's really hard to do. I'll give it to you. And, and JaVel McGee, especially for a tall guy, can really jump. You know, because yeah, I mean, Javel is like seven feet tall, so you know it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, number two for me, Vince Carter reverse three sixty windmill in that mm. same. Again, I went for the artistic, like it's just poetry. When you watch that one, it's like I said, the one you mentioned, the hang from the elbow yeah. is like all all inspiring. Like people don't know what to say about it. But the reverse 360 windmill, it's just like beautiful. He just yeah. so like just so masterfully moves in the air, brings the ball around and you're just like wow. Wow. So that's my number 2. Mike, you're yeah. number 2. My number two would be the um, 1986 uh, Spud Webb 360 dunk, mm. specifically the 360 dunk. I know he had a lot of highlights from that yeah. dunk contest, but that 360 dunk was just seeing that guy. He's he's a small guy. He's like five seven, five seven, five, eight. yeah, five, five seven. seven. And uh, yeah, he just. I'll, I'll I'll agree with you, Mike. That should yeah. have been an honorable mention for me at least because that sort of. That's the same thing as the Nate Robinson dunking over Dwight Howard and yeah. then add the poetry of the Vince Carter 360. Yeah. Like, because he's just teeny and he just does it so amazing. It yeah. is. I'll give it to you. That yeah, That's great. a very impressive one. Beautiful. Very impressive one. Number one, Mike, for me, number one. Now, again, I think this is going to surprise people, but when you go back and watch this, I have still just never seen this insane of a dunk Aaron Gordon jumps over stuff the magic dragon and puts it underneath his yeah. legs that dunk 
Go back and watch this, listeners. He jumps. It's got to be seven feet, eight feet in the air when he brings his legs up. Like, his head is over the rim, and his feet are almost touching the net. Like, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, the fact that he did not win... That dunk contest, I think, was the worst ever as far as actual, like, you know, judging of a dunk contest. Because he beat Zach Levine that time, the second time. The first time, he lost to Zach Levine. There's yeah, the, that was right. Yeah, he lost But to the Zach second Levine. time, he won. He won. And he got robbed of that one. Because that dunk, like I still, like I said, just the, the fluidity of it, again, the, like... I think, you know, bringing in the mascots are a little dumb. I don't think that's necessary. Sure. Yeah. But just the dunk itself, insane. Yeah, insane, it man. Um, What's your you number wanna, one? Oh, uh, well, you, you know what I was going to say? They should have, uh, for that Aaron Gordon dunk, they should have one of those, like, for comparison, this is how yeah. tall, this is what it, because they have those of, like, I think it was Cristiano Ronaldo, how high he jumped for, like, a head. Yeah. Uh, for a head, uh, whatever you call that. Movie. Header. Header and like, oh, well, it's like, wow, this guy's these guys are jumping like eight feet. In the yeah, air, no, feet like, in the air. like it's I insane. mean, if you if you were to do uh if you were to do like a comparison, like you could fit like literally freeze frame it, listeners, that video freeze frame where his legs are. He could have kicked his legs over somebody that was like seven feet tall and yeah. still dunked it. Like it's just in and, and this guy's a like six. Nine, almost six ten, dude. Yeah. Like it's just crazy, yeah. crazy. Anyways, Mike, your number one. My number one uh, will be the two thousand eight Dwight Howard Superman slam dunk. Uh, he won that dunk contest. Yes, and um, I like the Superman dunk because he didn't really dunk. Really the dunk ball. it. He, he threw like, it in. Yeah, he threw it in, but it still looks like a dunk, and it's just like this. I don't know. It was just incredible. I, I feel like incredible. there was I feel like there was a time frame, especially from like 2008 to 2014ish, where that was in the the throw in dunk was in. That's a fact. You know, because yeah. uh, um, um, what's his name? Blake Griffin did a couple of those too in that oh, same yeah. time range. Yeah, you know, yeah. But I was about to say, Mike, if you didn't choose Aaron Gordon, I was like, you better choose an Orlando player for your <laughs> for number sure, one. For sure, so true. Better sure. be. But uh, yeah, no, for I sure. mean, uh, Dwight's were all crazy too. I mean, the fact that Dwight was six eleven, you know, and yeah. uh, and still could jump just insane, and then mm -hmm. on the on that same fact have shoulders that are literally two times wider than my shoulders. Like great shoulders. Boulder shoulders, man. Yeah, yeah. Just mother shoulders. effing boulder shoulders, and that guy can. And he's still doing it. He's doing it in, uh, like I think he's playing in Taiwan now. I think that's where his his professional team is. He's playing internationally somewhere in Asia. Why Howard but, is? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, man. Look it up. It's crazy. Still, still just insanely in shape and still balling. So there you go. But anyways, Mike, that is our top three for this week. Mike, I thought about it because of the Jesse Dayton story with Willie Nelson. And I was like, you know what would be an interesting one for us to think about? Hmm. What are our top three living musicians you would want to fight least? Hmm. 
Who would you be most afraid of as far as musicians? Any type of musician. Who is the musician you want to fight least? Okay. Now, is it least because they're so frightening? So humanitarian? Yes. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Not for, no, not least as in oh, they're a saint. I don't want to fight them. Who would you want to fight least? Because you're worried about getting your kicked. Because okay. you know they're going to throw it to you, gotcha. and you don't have any way to respond to those hands. Mm. Oh, gotcha, they're gotcha, going to be gotcha. coming at you, and you're going to get beat. Who are the <laughs> top? Right. Who are the top three? So I guess you could phrase it easier. That's a little bit of a complicated way that I phrased it. Top three musicians that could kick your. That's yeah. <laughs> that's the top three guys. Think okay. about it. List your list. Okay, Mike. We've got two birthday suits left. If you're keeping count, you were at 16 and a half out of 22. Both of these folks are foosball players. I don't think you're going to get them. Okay. Football we'll players. Hey, you, know. you might be able to get this first one. This Vaguely, first one could yeah. be... This first one you Maybe. might be able to get. Okay. Uh, born on the same day, same year, obviously, as Justin Bieber... That's a fact. March 1st, 1994, in Douglas, Georgia. Our birthday suit wearer loved sports growing up. He was a standout in track and field, also played football. In high school, he won the 100-meter and 200-meter in the state finals for Georgia. He was the fastest 200-meter runner in the country. Jeez. After high school, our birthday suit wearer went to Garden City Community College, where he played football and track. And after two years, he went to Oklahoma State. He had excellent performance at Oklahoma State, but he was dismissed at the end of the season because of domestic violence arrest. He played on West Alabama after that and then went to the NFL draft. At his pro day, he ran a 4.29 40-yard sprint and had a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical jump. The Kansas City Chiefs selected him 165th overall. He made an immediate impact on the team and acquired the nickname The Cheetah. That's right. Since then, he is a seven-time Pro Bowler at receiver and a Super Bowl champion. Before the 2022 season, he was traded to the Miami Dolphins, where he signed a four-year deal for $120 million with $72 million guaranteed, which made him... The highest paid receiver in the NFL. Name that birthday suit wearer. No idea. Didn't think so. Didn't think so. Let's see if it rings a bell. Tyreek Hill. No. Nope. Tyreek Hill, man. Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the the uh in the NFL, Mike. And without mm -hmm. a doubt, the fastest. That dude is a cheetah. He is an absolute Mother effing cheetah. He hmm. just can go. He can go. And think about that, Mike. Uh, guaranteed $120 million. Uh, still ma making less per year than Tom Brady will be at commentating the game. <laughs> that doesn't really seem right, does it? Nope. That seems a little bit wrong. I don't, I know. don't know. I mean, uh, then again, Tom Brady is a sexy man. I listened to like I listened to like 10 minutes the other day of... Uh, of uh, Charles Barkley rambling, rambling on about how sexy Tom Brady was. And I was like, easy, <laughs> Charles. 
Come on, man. That's what our show does, not yours. Easy. <laughs> so true. Okay, Mike. You are 16 and a half now for 23. I have even less faith that you'll get this one. But okay. uh, let's give it a shot. Here we All go. Right. Born on March 1st, 2000 in Harvey, Louisiana. Her birthday suit wearer loved football growing up and was a standout receiver in high school. Coming out of high school, he was a four-star recruit and ultimately decided to go to LSU. As a freshman, he played all 14 games. In 2019, he led the SEC in most receiving touchdowns. That season, LSU won the national championship, and our birthday suit wearer won the Fred Bolitnikoff Award, which is the best receiver in college football award. He then declared for the NFL draft. He was drafted fifth overall by the Cincinnati Bengals. Since being drafted, he has been a two-time Pro Bowler, and following his rookie season, he was named the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Name that birthday suit wearer. Um, is it? Uh, is it? Uh, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> yep. Didn't think this one. This one would be even harder. Lesser known receiver. Well, I mean, I would say he's close to being as known, but he's just younger, so he's had less of time to be, you know, less known. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Chase. Yes. Turning the big 2-3, Mike. Young Buck. Young Buck. Yeah. Tyreek Hill turning 29. Jay Biebs turning 29. Happy birthday to them all. The record took a little bit of a hit, Mike. Took a little bit of a hit this week. 16.5 for 24 now. Mm. 16.5 for 24. So you're still batting well over uh, uh, 65%. Which yeah, is, is is much higher than I thought. So there you go. Yeah. It's a D plus so, in school, I think. It's a, it's a, yeah. Oh yeah, you're you're in a D plus range. That's nice. That is nice, Mike. That is that is uh, brag about it. Brag D's about get degrees it. sometimes, right? Sometimes, depending on what kind of program you're in. Uh, Mike, we have a fantastic artist coming on the show. Can't wait. We've got some just great folks coming up. We have got none other than Joe Bonamassa coming on the show. We have got the fantastic, and I'm going to go ahead and say it because she said she's scheduling the interview. So uh, if if it's on the manager, if it's if she, he doesn't come on the show, it's not on me. I'm not hexing it. We're putting it on the manager. We've got the fantastic comedian Sam Morell coming on the show. Can't wait to talk to Sam. Nice. I mean, just one of my fam- uh, favorite comedians in the game right now behind Mike Charette, Mike. Hey, um, there we you go. know, second right behind you. But the dude is just hilarious. Tells a fantastic story. He's got a, such such a good audience interaction game, man. He's yeah, so he good does. at it. He's just so just like you know takes all the curveballs, hits them out of the park. It's it's fantastic. And like I just told you off the air, he just met Giannis apparently, which is awesome. Yeah, it is. Get to meet Giannis on Tenacupo. That's gonna the be like family. half the interview. The family, <laughs> I, yeah. The, like. <laughs> what, did he say he had any openings in his family? Was there any any just awesome? And then we've also got Chef 
Kent Rollins, Cowboy Kent Rollins, coming on the show. I can't wait to talk to about his his new cookbook coming out. We're gonna talk food. You know I love food, Mike. Oh yeah, can't wait to talk it. Like mm-hmm. and just making it out on the range. You being out there on the back of your chuck wagon, just cooking it up for the fellas. Nice, living nice. the best life. Got it all coming in March, Mike. It's going to be a big March. Yes. Big March. Yes. But we need to wrap it up for now. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mr. Notorious Mikey Maximus the Furnicus, Charette. Doc G, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. For sure. And until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it out. Zip it out.